So Pastor Eric's a good friend of mine, and we got close at a, 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 over the last a year or so, and we began talking and sharing. And so when he b- called me and said, hey, um, that God has a word for the church, and I believe you're supposed to give it, it got my attention. You see, because Pastor Eric is not just a good friend, but he's well-respected in our pastor's circle. I don't know if you guys know that, but I want to honor him, and he's a mighty man of God, and uh, a lot of... So we're very thankful for him. So a little uh, before I jump in a little bit my, my, about myself, I'm married for 31 years to my beautiful wife, Tanya. This is my wife, Tanya. I said I was going to have her stand to embarrass her. She said, don't you do that. So I'm not going to do that. But we have uh, three boys. You guys have met uh, Garrett, our oldest son, who came and preached. And uh, he comes back home and he goes, Dad, man, it was awesome. They're hungry. And I, so I was excited when Pastor Eric, because I love going to hungry churches, right? So you guys are hungry for more of God. You guys are growing. Um, you're not settling just for the milk, but you want protein in your meals. Amen? You're hungry. So Garrett came back, said he also said, man, there are workers. Everybody works. Everybody serves and, and uh, something we're trying to get going at our church a little more. So um, Garrett was excited. I have two other boys. I have Cody and Houston. They both live about an hour from us, so we could see them all the time. So God's really, really blessed us. Now, I used to be a school teacher, and then I was a principal. And then I was assistant superintendent, and I, I thought I was going to be superintendent in our school district. That's where our church is. So it's a very good school system in Oklahoma. And I was on a three-year plan until uh, my wife comes home uh, one day from the gym, and she goes, um, Sarah said her dad, my dad wants to visit with, with you, Terry. And her, her dad is a Pentecostal pastor in our community, head shaved, rides a Harley. I know nothing about him other than that. And I'm like, what's he want to talk to me? At this time, I'm just leading a Bible study like most of you do in your homes. You know, we go to church and we let a Bible study. Anyways, uh, he goes, he wants to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, man. So I called him, hey, Pastor Bob, this is Terry. Do you want to visit? And he goes, yeah, I have a word for you. And I'm like, okay. Didn't know what that meant. So uh, I went to see him and he goes, here's a word for you. God says you're going to be a pastor. And I remember leaving. I don't, I had no, I have nothing else. I had no nothing else what he said other than that. I went home and. And Tanya will tell you this is true. I said, I think he smokes pot. And uh, that's what I said. Two years later, our small group no longer was a small group. It went from five people to 20 people to 30 people. And we had um, church going on upstairs, church going down downstairs. When a, a new guy comes and he says, can, can I bring my guitar and play a song? And I said, can you sing? He goes, yeah. And I said, if you suck, it's going to be weird bad singers in a living room was a bad combination well he just when he brought his guitar the next week and tanya could tell you this the holy spirit fell in our living room and you could feel the tangible talk about manifestation of god the joy and the uh, the joy of the lord and the presence of god fell in our living room we knew god was up to something special that's how the church started and i'm going to talk a little bit about, about that more later but i just want to i wanted to give you a little snapshot of me how i've how i've come to be a pastor i've been doing this for 12 years now and God has blessed us as a church. I've shared our story with you guys. Financially, God will provide. You take the steps of faith, and he'll show up. And he's done that for us. We have a beautiful building, seats 1,000 people, and, uh, and we're reaching a lot of people in our community and the surrounding town. So God has blessed us. We've done nothing special. We try to stay out of his way, amen? Let him do what he's good at. Well, one thing I want to, what's been on my heart over the last couple months of praying about tonight and, um, is that, God, you would change people. You see, I want you to have an encounter with God in a way that you haven't had an encounter with him yet. Do you want that tonight? 
Is that okay, or do you just want the same thing maybe? But I think we all want more. We should desire more. Look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Everybody say glory to glory. Just as a spirit of the Lord. Every, so here's the deal. When you have an encounter with God, God is saying you're going to be changed every time. You go to church on Sunday and you come with the right heart and you have an encounter with God. I don't care what they don't sing your favorite song. The preacher may not be the greatest, but you can still have an encounter with God. Amen. And you leave different. My prayer is that when you leave tonight, you're not, you'll never be the same as when you came in tonight. From glory to glory, you're going to grow in the Lord. I just want to, let's open up before I get too far on this. Father, we just thank you for your presence already. We know you're here. Father, you say we're two gathered in your name, and we're all here for your name. You're with us, Father, Lord. So we ask, Father, that you'd pour out your spirit on us tonight, fresh and new, Lord, that when we receive it, I pray for soft hearts, that people would receive the word that you have for them, Lord. And then they would put it into play, Lord, and they'd be world changers. In your name we pray. Everybody said. So if you've not heard this story, it's a true story. This, this uh, Christian family in Iran, okay, they, they were silent Christians, and the reason they were silent Christians because they had to worship silently. You know, we get to sing out loud, but imagine having to worship silently. But if they got caught praising Jesus or even talking about Jesus, the women would get uh, raped and the men would get beat. That's just a fact of it. And one day they had an opportunity to uh, move to America, so they moved to America. And uh, they, they think it's going to be uh, just an amazing time uh, here in the U.S. and really get to worship. Until one day the, the wife... She turns to the husband and she goes, there's a satanic lullaby in the U.S. putting Christians to sleep. And I want to go home. How many of you say right now that, that the U.S. is in bad shape spiritually? And for a second you may think, well, this is the worst it's ever been. It may be. For me it is. But I wasn't in the 17 and 1800s. And if you do a little research and study and you'll find out that our country was in bad shape back then but an awakening took place back then mighty men and women of god were were used they surrendered to god and the and, and what took place is uh the, the church woke back up the church is filled back up places of sin begin to shut down and that's what we're praying right now and i believe we're in a fertile time period god chose us in this time period for a reason amen and that's to awaken things back up in his name and when there's been an awakening Conviction has taken place and a turning back to God. We know this takes place in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7. It says this. Are you guys getting the scripture? Good. All right. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Isn't that amazing? That's a promise of God. You know, the Bible's full of 32,000 promises. Every word of God in the Bible is a promise from him. It's not wishful thinking. It what will take place if you do what he says. And we're believing right there. It says humble. He says pray. He says, see, he says seek, turn, and then he's going to do what? He's going to heal our country. So that's our prayer. And I believe God is going to awaken Christians back up, and we're going to take our rightful spots in the U.S. and our country and watch what happens because, guys, we're in a war. I would say right now, playtime is over if you're a believer. Playtime is over. It's no joke anymore. You take a stand for the Lord. Watch what happens. You better be ready to count the cost. Bible says, if you shrink back, I will not be pleased. Think about that for a second. That, that, that fear of the Lord should settle in when you start to think, if you shrink back, I will not be pleased. God's called you for this time period, and it's not to shrink back, it's to take back territory that the devil's taken. Amen? But we're in spiritual warfare. And what is the definition of spiritual warfare? It's this. 
Spiritual warfare is the leveraging of everything that God promises against everything that opposes God's purposes. And we have to change our thinking so we can see what's really going on. You see, David, he killed Goliath, but not how, how he fought, but how he saw him. David saw him differently. How come? You see, it all started back in the pasture. David spent a lot of time in the pasture, the worst job ever. Nobody wanted that job. He got stuck with that job. But he didn't cry because he was in a bad job. You ever been guilty of that? He didn't cry because he was in a bad job. He utilized his time to worship God. You know, a lot of the hymns we sing are because David wrote them in the pasture. So he spends time in the pasture worshiping an amazing God. And he had an intimate relationship with God. So when he walked up to the battlefield and he heard this uncircumcised Philistine, meaning he wasn't in covenant like David was in covenant. He didn't see muscles. He saw an enemy too big to miss. He was awakened in the pasture. In your quiet time, that's where you wake up. You don't wake up when you come to church. You put the time in so when you come to church, it's an outpouring on everybody else. Amen. And I believe we're in a desperate need for another awakening. We can easily list off things we like and we don't like about our government. Amen. But our government is not the solution. Jesus is solution. The government was never designed to save America. We know Jesus was designed and created to save America. Amen. America needs a revival. Can you imagine what will happen if we keep going the direction we're going? Going. I'm talking about the church, the churches, the capital C churches. If we keep going the direction that we're going, what's it going to be like for our grandkids? In Genesis chapter 1, God speaks of the authority that we have. It says this, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Everybody say dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, God's given us authority. And it's not just over animals. He's talking about spiritual things, right? So recently I went hunting. And I went, uh, I'm friends with, uh, I get blessed, to, you know, I goes, no, Carrie Job, her, her dad, Mark Job's a good friend of mine at Gateway Church, and Pastor Eric knows him too. Anyways, we went hunting out in the country, in the middle of nowhere. We're going bird hunting. We have our shotguns with us. I drive to the little cabin that I had placed them at out there, and, and as soon as we walk off the front porch, and we've taken about 10 steps away, there's this baby rabbit shoots right in front. We're out in the middle of nowhere. That's what made it so amazing. We're in the middle of nowhere, and this little baby rabbit goes running right in front of me. And so I stop because I'm about to step on it. Well, right behind it's this four-and-a-half-foot snake, and it grabs this rabbit by the foot, okay? And I'm watching this. I'm getting my phone out. I couldn't believe what was happening. Anyways, the snake curls around this rabbit, and the rabbit's um, crying. And all of a sudden, it stops crying. And the snake is choking it out. And at the, this moment, you'll see in the video, I'm going to show you the video, the rabbit looks right in my face. And God spoke to me in that moment. So I want you to show, I want to show this video. That's where I caught it, and it's starting to choke it out right now. It's not, it stopped crying. I applied pressure on it. When I stepped on it, in that moment, what took place in that moment was... I said, God, what's going on? And he goes, this is what can happen when every Christian uses the authority I've given them. You can step on the head of a serpent. And you can release captives, family captives, people in your community that are held captive to things. Okay? You have a, you have a spiritual authority. Now, if you, is it called PETA that's worried about animals? I'll share Genesis 1 that we have authority over all animals. So if, I, if you're with PETA, I apologize. 
actually we posted that online and we had 35,000 views on it, which I'm not, my, my son's all, that's gone viral, dad. And it went viral because people were saying the most ridiculous things on there. So I, I put that testament how God spoke to me and what I just shared with you. And people go, God still, God doesn't talk like that. You've lost your mind. You call yourself a pastor phony. I mean, the stuff that was on there, was I, it was kind of humorous. It, it didn't hurt my feelings because I know the truth. But the fact is, there's so many people that don't believe that God exists anymore. Remember, spiritualize. We need spiritualize to see what's really taking place. Amen? You see, because we have a, we have a spiritual authority that, ex, that, just like that video, can affect the physical realm that we live in. The spiritual realm that you can function in will affect the spiritual realm that you also live in. Okay, that's why tonight's message is called Awakening to War. Awakening to War. Look at Luke 14, verse, uh, Luke 4, verse 18, that is. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. So to set someone's free. To set someone free, first of all, you have to understand they're locked up. And if they're locked up, what well, you got to have, you have to have what? You have to have keys. And before you leave, I put some keys up here. On, and these keys are to remind you of the authority that you have. You can put them in your keychain or your, your wallet or wherever you want to put them. Just grab one before you leave. But you're welcome. Anyways, uh, so these spiritual keys you have hanging, and sometimes you forget they're there. Have you, have you ever found out? The other day I was cleaning out my drawer and I saw these keys. I had no idea what they go to. And I didn't want to throw them away because I might need them. As Christians, we have spiritual keys and sometimes we forget what God's given us or just hang in there. And I wonder if God's saying, how come you don't use that key? How come you don't unlock that prison or your family that's bound up, that's addicted to something? Or the division that's in your home right now and you don't know what it is, but it's a spirit of division. You have authority to lock it up in the name of Jesus. Amen. And God's waiting for us to pull that key out and start locking up and unlocking. Amen? That's our God. He's so good. And we look at Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19, and it says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. God is saying that you have spiritual keys. They're hanging from you, and he wants us to start using them. We have to wake into the authority that we have on us. Amen? We need to stop sitting around and waiting for the pastor to do it. The Bible says to equip the saints. I'm equipping you to do the work for the Lord. That's what we're doing. But we're in a war, and every time Jesus talked about war, it was in violent terms. It wasn't patty cake with the devil. It was patty smack. It's not patty cake, and I think that we forget this sometimes. Right? The church is a gate-taking, invasive force. Right? We take back the captives that have been held up. Amen? An awakening has to start in the church, not the government. But here's the good news. God's more powerful than the devil, and he's given us every key to unlock every single door. Every single door. Maybe the door in your life, you've battled something in your life. I don't know who this is for, but there's something in someone's life right now that has hung around so long that you think it's just part of who you are. And that's not the truth. The truth is you have a key. Use the authority God's given you and unlock it. Take back the authority. Don't let them mess with your kids, your family, your marriage. Jesus mentions the church in different ways. Matthew 11, verse 12, he says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Everybody say force. If you like military terms, you should like that. Raise your hand if you like the military. Amen. Amen. 
God's saying right now that you have authority and we have a military verbiage. We've been given permission to exercise it in a spiritual way, not a violent way, physical. I'm talking spiritual way. In fact, it's much more dangerous in the spirit realm than it is the physical realm. But we're, we're at war with the devil whether we like it or not. But when you look back at history, when the church wakes back up and it starts to war, it wins. <laughs> Listen, the identity of the church is winners. Winners. That's just our identity. I think sometimes we forget who we really are. The devil wants to beat us down. He wants you watching CNN. Garbage, right? He wants you listening to that stuff. He want, it's, it's trying, he's trying to steal your identity and hush you. I wonder if anybody ever tried to hush Jesus. He's, he's a bad man. Okay. One example of a battle that the church lost because they got hushed. They got made, if you, listen, to lie to the enemy. If you speak up, that's not being loving, so sh what's the church do? Back in 1962, the, sh the church got hushed. And what took place, they took God out of the school system. And I'm going to teach them. Right now, I'm a school board member in a public school system. And it bothers me that we can't talk about God in the school system. So I've challenged my youth pastor. I want our kids speaking Jesus. We're going to overwhelm this school district with Jesus. I can't go in, but you can. We're going to take authority back in our school system. We've got to wake this next generation up. But we're on the fence. No more in defensive mode. If you know anything about defense and football, their job is to keep the opponent from scoring. No, we've got the ball and we're scoring. And we're moving the ball downfield. And nothing can stop us. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. You guys went recently. I know it wasn't just your church, but I've been talking with Pastor Eric. He's been inspiring me and planting seeds, so I'm taking something back to Oklahoma. You guys have been at war with, right, the spirit of abortion in this town. You know that's a spirit. You know that, right? It's demonic to think that, remember, if you go back hundreds of years, they, they, they sacrificed children, right, to demon, to demon gods. That's what that is. It's not just someone's free choice. It's demonic. You guys took a stand. It was wrong. And you set an example. Other people are watching. Other countries or other states are watching what Texas is doing right now. We see what you're doing. It's inspiring us. When you take steps of faith and you start to kill giants that have risen up in your communities, it inspires other people. That's just the truth of it. It inspires other people. We see what's going on. We have an enemy that wants to steal and kill and destroy and has done a decent job, but his time's ticking. You see, the church has been sent by God as a military outpost in enemy territory. What's an outpost? Think about what an outpost was back in, 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 back in the days when they had horses and gunfight and all that stuff. Remember the soldiers, they'd go into the outpost, they would get their supplies, they'd get their new assignments, and they'd go back out to war. When you come to church, you get your assignments, you're getting equipped, and you're going back outside these walls to, to take back what was taken. Amen? But God says we have a real enemy, and he's been stealing, and he's been stealing a lot. Imagine this. Imagine there's a thief that comes into your house, and he's taking your VCRs. For those of you under 20, don't know what a VCR is. Okay? He's taking your VCRs, which are classics, your VCRs and your TV and your cereal, your jewelry, but you don't see him. Night after night, you're like, where's my stuff? Where's it going? If you don't believe that we have a real enemy, you're being duped because he'll keep stealing from you until you wake up to the reality that we have an enemy that wants to take stuff from us. It's amazing that 70% of Christians believe, don't believe in Satan. 
I don't stare at the devil. I look at him just long enough to see what he's up to, and then I start praying over him. And he does not want me praying. I'm focused on Jesus. I glance at the enemy, but I'm staying focused on the Father. The Father gives me a game plan to take out the enemy. That's how that works. I don't ignore him. I look at him, and I pray against him, and I move forward. Amen? But every giant that you refuse to fight, listen. If you don't listen to anything else I've said tonight, write this one down. Every giant you refuse to fight will be a giant that remains in your land to torment your children. Every giant you refuse to fight will be a giant that remains in your land to torment your children. See, the devil only give back what's been stolen by force. He only responds to force. He doesn't respond by asking nicely. He doesn't respond because we've said please. He'll only give you your mind, your health, your families, your communities back if you're forceful with him. That's step one of, of, of waking up as a church. It's time for us to go on the offense. Everybody say offense. Offense. There we go. So here's the first mention of the church in the New Testament. This is by Jesus in Matthew 16. Check out the context here. Verse 18 says this. And I also say to thee, say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus says that you're my church. He's talking about this church too, right? The gates of hell shall not prevail against you guys. The devil may want to come in and block you guys, right? From doing certain things in your community but he will not prevail that's what god is saying right here jesus is saying all the strongholds of the devil all the strongholds of the devil can't stand up against a church that begins to war spiritually see when jesus talks about strongholds of the devil he's he's talking about the devil's influence in a person's life and their family and in their community stronghold here's an example of a, of a stronghold poverty if you don't think poverty is a stronghold because you ain't never been poor Poverty is a stronghold of the devil and has some people in many communities gated in. How do I know this? I don't know, you, I don't know Texas very well other than, oh, you, okay, I'm not going to say nothing. Um, you guys have another shot at OSU this week. God's gracious gives you a second try. All right. Think about this. When you drive through certain towns, you know, I don't know the towns. Have you ever gone through a town and you go, man, it just it has an oppressive feel to it. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, what you are feeling and sensing is a demonic spirit of poverty in that community, right? That's one of the, it could be something else that's probably what it is though, and that's what you're sensing. There's strong, certain strongholds in certain communities. Addiction is a stronghold of the devil. Pornography is a stronghold of the devil. If you, if you struggle with pornography, I bet money your, your dad did and your grandpa did. It's passed down in generation, but you don't have to let it get passed down any further. You have the authority to bind it up and lock it up so it stops, amen? You have the authority. Think about that. Same thing with addiction. Jesus is saying not one of Satan's strongholds can withstand a warring Christian, right? We have these spiritual keys. I told they're hanging from us. We got to unlock the prisoners and lock up the enemy, amen? It's not wishful thinking. This isn't me just trying to motivate you with some halftime speech. This is me telling you the truth of God to empower you to do what God's called you to do. Right? He says, equip the saints. I'm equipping you right now with the understanding to wake you back up. Some of you are already on fire. I can tell. I'm just reminding you. Amen? Let this be a reminder of what God's called you to do for your families, for your communities. Right? But when you begin to war against the devil, identify the strongholds and begin to war against it, praying, speaking scripture over it. Right? Speaking scripture over it. But we're, we're a gate-taking invasive force. That's the church. 
gate taken. We come against gates that have risen up in our families and our communities, and we take them back. Precious people are hurting. Right now, think about it. You know families that are hurting, they're in bondage, and we're the ones that have the spiritual authority to unlock them, right? But sometimes we're more focused on going to the football game than we are going to the throne. Been there. My church sits right by, I was just telling Pastor Eric, we sit right by a, a sports complex, right? And I have to look out my window and I can see people in my church that are struggling because I've counseled them, right? I've done pastoral care is what I have to call it legally. Done pastoral, and here they are going to the baseball game or the football game, right? And they need to be in church. My heart hurts because they're missing. See, you can watch online. If you're watching online, great. Some people can't make it, but that's not the church. The church is with body of believers that come together, Right? And we equip each other. Something special takes place when we start to lift our voice and worship the Lord. He shows up in a powerful way. Amen? But the church is the answer. The devil loves when, listen, the devil loves when Christians expect a government to fix things. The devil knows the government doesn't have spiritual authority. He knows the church does. But how often, especially during the, this last presidency thing, was rough on everybody, right? It was rough. And I think a lot of Christians got duped and we began to get upset and look like Trump was going to be the savior. It's not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. That's just the truth. Trump's limited. But the church is a gate-taking invasive force. That's our identity. There's a gate set up right now in our town. We have an elderly community in, uh, in our town, and they've been locked in. The enemy has leveraged COVID to lock up the elderly. Why doesn't the enemy want the elderly to have a voice? Because the elderly have something to impart to the younger generation. <laughs> the devil doesn't want wisdom imparted and direction and scripture and in prayers and encouragement. So he's locking them up and he's created a barrier, a gate, a wall, right, of isolation. Now what's to, our elderly are getting depressed and sad, right? The enemy's trying to steal their hope. So what have we done as a church? We began to take the gospel outside the walls to them and food and supplies. We begin to love on them. We started to unlock that gate and restore hope. It's a simple job. It's a job that we all have. There's many homeless people in Oklahoma City, and um, we had an, one, of the, one of the ladies on our worship team, uh, she comes to t Pastor Tanya and I with an idea. She goes, I, I got an idea. You see, Justin, he's the guy that goes to our church. Justin owns this multi-million dollar company in our church, and he makes this special insulation that wraps around oil fill pipes, and it keeps the cold weathers off the pipe, and it also keeps the pipes in the summertime from getting too hot. It looks like wetsuit material, but it's really weird. Oxygen is blown in it, and it's a special material. Okay, so we go to him with this idea, can we have some scraps? Because we want to make mats for the homeless, right? He says, hold on. And he comes back a couple days later, and he's got these, he already had this, uh, some of his guys back in his office, offices. We went there, like 15 people. They're sewing machines, and they're working. And they made us like 400 mats, custom mats with straps. And we took those to the homeless, and we began, that was our, that was our bait. See, when you have a map to a homeless person, that's a bait. And that was a bait to share Jesus with them, right? And we showed them, we love you. You're not forgotten. You're not worthless. Jesus loves you, and here's a gift for you. And we know that, and we had a guy that actually what stirred it up. There's a guy in Tulsa that froze to death. Unacceptable. It's unacceptable. So we begin to love on those, and we would partner. We also partner with other churches. We actually have church under the bridge where all the homeless meet in the Oklahoma City area, and it's an amazing time of ministry. But we had, listen, we had an idea. An idea. God took our idea and made it way further, right? The idea came from him. It wasn't just our idea, right? God blessed that. But Jesus says the gates of hell cannot withstand you. The devil wants homeless shut down. He wants the elderly locked in, right? And there's different gates in different communities. 
He looks at different common ties and says, you know what? I can't get that community over there with the spirit of poverty, but I can get them with the spirit of pride. Right? That's what's going on in our community. We have a good school system. Our sporting and everything is, is, is very competitive. So there's a spirit of pride that is settled down in our community. And what that does, it makes us think we're better than other communities. But it, since it's a spirit, it doesn't stop there. That's the open window to get in. Now there's division, not just other communities. There's divid- pockets of division within our own community. Because the spirit right, the spirit of pride wants to divide people. Pastor Tanya, we're talking. It is the truth. So we've been praying against the spirit of pride, binding it up, and asking God to, to humble people's hearts, right, and turn back to him. Amen. But certain communities have certain gates that the enemy sees, and he'll leverage those against those communities. So think about this for a second. What gates are set up in your town? You have gates. I don't know your town, but you do. Get a, get a prayer team. Start warring against those gates. You have authority. Tear them down. Amen. But Jesus is more powerful than pride. He's more powerful than poverty, right? He has authority, and he'll use us. Aren't you glad that Jesus uses us, broken vessels, for his, for his accomplishment? He wants us to accomplish what he wants. He wants his will done. Listen, <laughs> listen. churches are not for spaghetti dinners. They're for equipping the saints for battle. That's it. I love food. You can tell. I love to eat. But sometimes we think church is one big potluck. We forget our authority. We forget that we're a gate-taking evasive force. And when we don't, we don't step up to our true identity, what happens in our country is happening right now. We're losing leverage. The birthright of the church is victory because of Jesus. Everybody say victory. That's our birthright. Now here's the first mission. Jesus sends a regular group of believers on a mission. Not the apostles. We think of these apostles. He sends a regular group of Christians on a mission. Check it out. This is powerful. Luke 10, verse 17 through 20. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. So Jesus sends out these regular believers. Check it out. They do all these amazing things in Jesus' name. And when they come back, the disciples are over there going, what's happening? I thought we had the power. I thought we were the special called ones. Listen, regular folks went out and did what God said to do. Raise your hand if you're a regular folk. That's you. You have all the same authority and same power as Peter and Paul and all the rest of them. Amen? You, they don't have no special powers other than what you have. You have, well, you have special powers. You have the Holy Spirit. Right? But they don't have anything other than what you have. Now, the devil's only going to yield to force. When the devil's trying to take something for you from you, or maybe he's taking something from you. And you know this right now as I'm talking. There's something that's been stolen from you. Maybe it's your, someone's health in your family. Right? Maybe it's a family member that has walked away from the Lord and they're being duped by the devil, right? Right? He's not gonna just lay down when you because I preach this message. He's not gonna lay lay down, you've caught me, Pastor exposed me, right? That's not the case. You have to spiritually take take authority over it. But Jesus is saying that every battle that you'll step into, if you'll step up to the Goliaths that want to rise up against you and your family, if you'll take if you'll take those steps of faith and not shrink back. There's guaranteed victory in his name. It may not turn out how you want. Your, your armor may get chinked up a little bit, right? I don't want to get to heaven with my, my armor all shiny. 
I want to get, I want to din it up because I want to show Jesus I was in war for you. I didn't stand on the side and watch other people like, right? I wonder what it was like for David, David's brothers to sit back and have to watch their little brother take their fight. They had to chew on that forever, right? Chew on that. You know, David right now is probably rubbing it in in heaven in their face. I don't know when I get to heaven, I want, I want to watch that again, right? When I start to pray, when I start to pray and I take authority over, right, I say, remember pride is something that's a spirit that's come into our community. And it's very simple. I start binding that, that spirit of pride up in the name of Jesus. And I start binding it up and I start releasing scripture in this situation. And check out what happens. I love this scripture, Deuteronomy 28. It says, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Powerful. That's the truth. But so many believers are, are losing because they're coasting. The devil loves coasting Christians. He'll coast right in and take what belongs to you. We can't coast. There is no coasting, right? I don't just go to church once a month. I'm committed to the church. If I miss church, it's because I'm deathly ill or I'm on vacation, which I'm not being religious. I'm just stating the fact. Go have a good time with the family. But I'm not missing anything, and I tell our church, this is where you need to be because God's been showing up. We're seeing tremendous miracles in our church right now, and you can't get that in your car watching a game. It's just what it is. But how cruel would it be if God says, I want you to go to battle, but he doesn't equip us? That's what we're telling God when we don't step in. God, I don't know if I can trust you because maybe you won't equip me for that to face that giant. It's a scary giant. It's been in my family for a long time. In fact, we don't even talk about that giant anymore. What happens to a giant if you let him stay? He stays. He doesn't want you to wake up. He wants to hang out and do damage. And most of the time, giants in our life, strongholds, they play peekaboo. They'll mess with you and then they'll back off. Because once you start to get your eyes on them and you start to war, they don't want to be caught. We're not talking about flesh. We're talking about spiritual things, right? Luke 14 says this. There's this large group following Jesus. And Jesus turns around to this large group and says this, but don't begin until you count the cost for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. So there's this multitude following Jesus, right? And he stops and he says this, I better tell them what the program's really about. They think I'm just some really nice guy. They've seen me do miracles, right? Those are all good things. But Jesus is really about, I'm really about taking back territory that the devil's taken. Listen, Jesus loves us so much, and it hurts him to see Christians not exercising authority that he's given us. Imagine your kid hurting, and he won't ask for help, and you know they're hurting, and you said, I can help you. I can help you pay those bills, or I can help you do whatever it is, but they won't ask, and they're hurting. You see, when you take a biblical stand for what's right, not everybody's going to like you. You say, or agree with you. The devil's placed certain gates in certain towns, and the devil doesn't want you waking up. You see, here's the deal. The local church is the hope of the world. Amen? The government's not the hope. We are the hope of the world, and we have keys. We have the power of intercession. You know what intercession is? That's where you're interceding on someone else's behalf. You're praying in the gap for them. That's what, that's a, a fancy word, intercession, right? You're praying on their behalf, and you're saying scriptures over and over, and... Uh, Listen, when you, when you release the word of God, 
it's another level of faith. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to release it. And when you release that word, those, those words in the atmosphere, there's power. In, remember, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Not in the power of your thought. Your thought can't take out the enemy. It's releasing verbally. That's why David yelled at Goliath. I come at you in the name of the Lord. He began to say, release it verbally. Here I come. Right? He didn't just think it. He said it. A 14-year-old boy. If you don't know, I love David, by the way. My license plate's 1 Samuel 17, so I was so excited when God said, you get to talk about David. I'm all, boom. Okay. Anyways, here's four things for successful victory. If you're taking notes, some of you like to take notes, and then I'm done. Number one is hatred for the enemy. There's one person that God allows us to hate, and that's the devil. I think, frankly, Christians, we don't hate him enough. We often just kind of put up with him. God didn't want us to just put up with him. He wants us to put, us, put him out. Okay, look at 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then it says in Proverbs 8, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Everybody say, hate evil. Jesus hates the devil because the devil wants to hurt you. And he doesn't like anybody hurting his kids. And the evil that's happening in the world right now, it's not a person, it's the devil. The devil wants us mad at Biden or mad at whoever else. It's not a person, it's the devil. As long as you think it's a person, you got no spiritual leverage. Right? You have to see differently like David saw. What's really going on? Right? What's really going on? So we have to see what's really taking place. Number two, compassion for people that are lost and hurting. You need compassion. You need to pray for love over people that are lost and hurting. Yes, even the boss, even the coworker, even the person that bugs you, annoys you, drives you bonkers, right? That It's easy to pray for your spouse and your kids. You love them. You should, <laughs> right? That's easy. That's expected. Jesus is talking about loving your enemies, right? I'm talking about the group of guests that didn't read this a while back. There was a group that organized to give God the middle finger. Did you see that? They, they had a date. It was across the country. I, I saw pictures on it, and they gave God the middle finger on a certain date. I'm praying for them. God, convict them. Turn them back to you. Let them know how much you love them. Amen? I'm not mad at them. They're deceived. I was deceived until I came to know the Lord. Aren't you thankful that other people prayed for you so you can be here to know the Lord? Amen? We're standing in the gap praying for the lost and the hurting, not getting mad at them. It's not them. It's the devil. He messes with them. They think it's their idea. He whispers, and they run with an idea. It's not even them. There was a guy in town that was talking trash about me when we started the church. It began to bug me, right? I began to get upset at him. I wanted to have a talk with him. And I knew it wasn't going to be a past, very pastoral talk. God convicted me, so I went into my prayer closet. How many got a prayer closet? A special place you go talk to God is I'm in there talking to God. And I said, God, I need to see him how you see him. Because right now, you see what he's doing to your anointed? He's messing with me. How do you see him? And God gave me a vision, and it changed my thought process. I saw this big green hill, and on top of this hill, I saw one sheep. And the sheep was making sheep sounds, doing circles. And I felt the, in that moment, I felt the loneliness for this guy. So I began to pray for him. And I specifically prayed for his kids that were in college. I knew them, right? And I began to pray for them. And um, I'm telling you, things shifted. One day, two months later, it went from if we saw each other, it wasn't going to be good, to he walks up to my fence. I'm out there mowing my lawn. I stop, and in my mind, I'm thinking, so this is how it's going to go down. At least it's on my turf. I began to stretch. No, I didn't do that. 
he walks up and he says, Terry. And I said, what's up, man? And he goes, I still wasn't sure. And he didn't know I'd been praying for him. And he goes, uh, he, he saw online that my dad was pretty sick. My dad lives in California. Anyways, uh, he goes, uh, I saw that your dad's sick. I said, yeah, he is sick. And he goes, um, and this guy has a, he's, has a lot of money, has his own plane and his license. And he says, if you need me to fly you to California to see him, let me know. I'll do it anytime. That would have never happened two months ago. I wonder how often God's waiting for us to do our job and we're waiting for God to stop this. And he's waiting for us to start this. We got to start praying and start blessing like he tells us to. And it ain't just for them, it's for your heart. I needed my heart to be softened. The devil wanted me mad at him because if he can get you in a stronghold with him, it'll affect other relationships in your life. Pretty soon I'm grumpy with my wife and I have no idea, but I've given the enemy legal stronghold, legal right. I've opened a spiritual window in my life. And when I started warring and praying, I repented. I shut that window. It didn't just affect that other guy. It affected other relationships in my life. We have to start, stop thinking 3D. 3D is just right in front of me. We need 4D thinkers in the spirit realm that you see things like David saw. Amen? But everybody's precious to Jesus. He wants a big family. He died to have a big family. Number three, we got to work together. Jesus sent the disciples out to work together. You know scripture. The more severe things become, the more we need each other. Amen? We need each other. We make up the body. The Bible's very specific about this. We make up, everybody's checking out, the singer over there, she's trying to sneak in real quietly. I gave her come up at point number three. Okay, listen, hey, check it out, though. You make up the body. And when you miss church, the body's missing a body part. Imagine waking up one morning and your hand's missing. You can do some stuff, but you're not near as effective as you can when everything's there. The church misses you when you go blank. The average church attendance right now is, is 1.7 times a month. Not even 50%. That's the average church attendance. And I'm not, if that's you, I'm not bashing you. I'm, asking, I'm waking you up to the reality that God calls the church his bride. I have one bride, and she's the most special person to me. One, the church is Jesus' bride. We have to work together, but we got to show up to work as a team. Amen? Make church a priority. Pastor Eric is going to pay me later for saying that. You're welcome. Number four, last point as I close. Listen, you got to have fire. You got to have, you got to have fire, which is power. If you try to take on a giant powerless, you're dead. You're dead before you move. You know, when I was five years old, I, uh, my mom went in, I was sitting in the car. Mom, I remember this specifically. 45 years later, I remember my mom goes inside the house and and uh, remember the cars for you older people like me, when you, when, you, when you push in the ladder, it sticks in for like two minutes and it pops out. Thought that was pretty cool. I pushed it in, it popped out. I wanted to see if it was hot. And I put my finger on it. And then I saw my fingerprints were all red. I was out of the car on the ground rolling around sucking my finger, right? It hurt. I touched fire and I remember it 45 years later. Look at Matthew 3, verse 11. Here's John. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Everybody say fire. So who does the baptizing? Jesus. Jesus baptizes you. So here's a question. 
why would you ever not want something that Jesus wants to give you? Yet a lot of Christians don't want that. They're concerned they might become the weird Christian. A person's weird before they got baptized. Listen, you can't have victories in your life unless you're full of the fire and the power of God in your life. That's just a fact. I didn't know that for a long time. I knew the Bible. I went to church. I loved the Lord. I had to relate. I was going to heaven, but I wasn't full of fire. I really felt the Lord say, I want to baptize my people here. You're his people. I want to baptize his people with fire again. And maybe you've been baptized with fire. Maybe you never have because you grew up in a church that they didn't teach on or they talked against it. I'm just telling you, Jesus baptizes with fire. There's a water baptism, and then there's fire baptism. You, don't get, you didn't get fire baptism when you got water baptized. Let me just correct that mistake in the church. You're saved and you're going to heaven, but if you've never been fire baptized, I believe God's going to do it right now. And if you've been in it, God's going to do a fresh outpour. Are you okay for a fresh outpouring of God in right now? Is that okay? Would you go ahead and stand? And I'm going to say a prayer, and I just want you to repeat after me. But if you'd put your, if you, if you want to be, you don't have to do this. I'm just, you do what you want. But if you'd put your hands out like this in a receiving mode, I'm going to ask for God to baptize us right now with fire. You go ahead and close your eyes so you're fully focused on God, not distracted. Just repeat after me if you would. Lord, we come to you in faith. Just like when we got saved. We ask you to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. We want everything you paid for us to have. So come Holy Spirit, settle on us just like you did on Jesus. Holy Spirit, just move in this place right now. Move in this place. I say, Holy Spirit, just move, have your way in our lives. Fill us up right now. Father, Lord, we need you. We need you, Holy Spirit, to just fall on us. We sing about you, but we need you. It's not just a singing, it's a receiving. So we receive everything you have right now, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. You're a faithful God that always shows up. We love you, Lord. We give you all glory and praise. We say you're the mighty King of kings, Lord of lords. Nothing can stand up against you. And you've given us all authority, Lord. So we thank you tonight for your goodness. We thank you for your fire and your fullness and your faithfulness. Everybody here is leaving different. You will not be the same. You're going to wake up in the morning knowing that you're full of Jesus in a whole new level. And you're going to do things that you weren't be able to do before. Because God is with you at a whole new level. This isn't wishful thinking. This is scripture speaking to you right now. God's church. Father, we thank you for what you've done tonight. We love you so much. We give you all glory and praise. We know you're just starting. You're just starting to wake up the church. And I say Sand Springs is waking up tonight at a whole new level and it's taking over Athens. Father, we give you all glory and praise.